0: So many people are gonna tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back. Here we are again. Another good week. I've I literally don't know whether I'm coming or going this week. I've got so much on, it's crazy. I'm off to Darlington to paint on the side of a of a massive cinema huge mural like
1: i don't know how high it is i think it's like 12 meters high or something no No, yeah 12 meters high 20 meters wide so lucky i'm not scared of heights yeah damn right that's why i'm not going (laughs) (laughs) so yeah off to do that now um
0: i'm going to be writing a blog on the train i did a impromptu speaking gig the other night when they called up with three hours to spare and said someone's pulled out can you can you cover for them how did that go it went really well actually i had no slides and i and i hadn't like i just had to speak yeah um and i spoke for 20 minutes and someone in the audience said i was the best speaker so amazing that's, that was, a, that's a good sign <laughs> that was that was really cool um i'm really loving um speaking gigs because um it's such a like you're you're just there in front of and you can see people's faces and it's like with yeah. with this we help people but we don't know who we're helping yeah and it's yeah, kind yeah. of but do you know, the mad thing is, um, so this week I've bumped into both Dave Kaur and Shani Mears, both yeah. previous um, guests. Both of them have said about the number of people that have reached out to them. Because of the podcast. Because of the podcast. Oh, amazing. That's something I never, yeah. ever considered when we were doing this, was yeah. like the people would get in contact with the guests.
1: Yeah. How amazing is that? Uh, yeah, I know when um, Sarah was on, she got a lot of messages from people who'd listened to the episode and now follow her off the back so of So cool, man. It
0: makes me think that eventually when we have the time that we can put into it of like setting up an actual community where everyone can kind of help each other out and stuff like that. I think that's probably the future of Creative Rebels. Yeah, I got
1: a message from Alexandra the other day as well saying that she'd been listening to the new episodes and some things that she'd learned from other guests had helped her out, Uh, which is great. It's like a little community that's starting, which is really cool. So good, so good.
0: We have a number of different businesses. We have Parlor Tattoo. We have All Over, which is our creative out-of-home company. And we've got Graffiti Life, our our mural company, amongst a couple of other things. Um, but we don't just on our personal Instagrams put everything that we're doing on those. Each brand has its own separate feed. Yeah. Um, and you you kind of you were contacted and asked a question about that this week, weren't you?
1: Yeah, a photographer reached out to me this week, and um, was basically saying like he's he's changing directions with what he's doing in his career, um, moving from one type of photography to another, and. It's a question that I think a lot of creatives have. As soon as they've been doing something for a while and want to try something new, where do they put that new content? Do they make a new page for it or do they just transfer their current account into that?
0: I guess for us, it would be weird if we started putting tattoo pictures on our graffiti feed. It wouldn't it wouldn't work. But when you're a photographer
1: yeah, and it's all photos... Because I think he was saying that a lot of people who follow him follow him for his landscape photos, but now he's moving into wedding photography... What does he do about the audience that's following for landscapes? I think the question you have to ask yourself is, are you still going to do landscapes? Are you still passionate about doing landscapes? I think if you have enough time and you still want to take landscape photos, but then you're also going to do a secondary type of photography, then have two separate accounts, one for each each of them. But if you no longer are going to do landscape photos or you might do one every month because you'd still like doing it. Just make the transition. People will follow you because they like your work, because they think you're talented, because they like who you are. I think you need to make a decision. Are you still gonna take photos of landscapes or are you just now gonna solely concentrate on this other thing? If you're still gonna have both as a passion, then make a separate account, start growing a new audience based on that. If you're not really gonna do the old thing anymore, transition your account into doing that new kind of photography you'll find some audience will drop off but but most people will be following you for who you are and for the quality of work that you do and I think people change in life like if you look at Matthew McConaughey like he was making awful rom comy chick flicks back in the day and then now he's like one of the biggest actors in Hollywood for serious roles and people can make, make that transition and you might actually find on the new thing that you've transitioned to that people actually like you more than what they did originally for what you used to do, because you're gonna get better, your skills are gonna get better. If you are still gonna do both, have two accounts and just post things to different places because people follow accounts because they like that niche, they know what they're gonna get. They want that when your name pops up on their feed, they know what's gonna come up. I think a problem a lot of people have is mixing their personal life in with their business that they sell online. What I'd recommend to a lot of people and what I do recommend to a lot of people is if you're selling something or you've got something that you're offering, like a talent, then have a separate personal account that you post the pictures of your food. You post the pictures of you and your family because then at least when you look back, you still got all of those memories there that you can go back and look at for the that nice side of things and just keep your other account and just treat it like a business account. So So every piece of content that goes on there is related to what you're selling.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think a lot of the... So when we get DMs from people, we'll have a look at their account to see what they're doing right and wrong. And I see it a lot where um, it's funny how there's kind of this myth that if you're a young person that you're really like savvy and you'll get employed by a company because you know social media. And most people, regardless of age, do not know how to use social media properly. And when you look at an Instagram account that's like, here's a new project I'm working on. Here's the thing that's making me money. Oh, here's a picture of my dog. It's like it's so commonplace yeah. and people just don't understand that you, we all are multifaceted human beings with lots and lots of different interests, but people go to your feed to see one thing. Yeah, They follow you for one reason yeah. and you have to deliver that to them. Otherwise they'll get bored and they'll go elsewhere. Yeah. It's like, I'm not following you for dogs. Mm. So if I love dogs, then I'll go to a dog account. Yeah. And if I am following you for your dog, then I don't want to see the other stuff that you're posting. Yeah. So, um, but I think there's a, there's a, real sort of risk of people spreading themselves too thin. Yeah. And I guess like buckling down on what what your what what it is that you really want to do. Yeah. Because if you set yourself up 25 different Instagram accounts, I think creative people struggle with that. Yeah. The hardest thing to do is when there's a thousand doors in front of you is to just go through one go door. Through, yeah, yeah. But and it's not too late. You can always pivot. And if you just try something for six months and if you don't enjoy it, then You can do something else. Yeah. But I think you'll you'll quickly burn out if you're trying to keep uploading on various different accounts for different niches. Yeah, I
1: think that's a good question to ask yourself. If you're going to start a second account, do you have time to start that second account? Do you have time to fully invest into two? If you're struggling with one at the moment, then stick with one. Just pivot what you're currently doing on that account. Don't start a second one because it's just you're going to burn out or the quality of what you put out is going to be reduced. Excellent advice. Yeah, at the end of the day
0: it's all about making the most use of your time. So if you're spread really thin and you're updating five different Instagram accounts and staying on top of interacting with the top hashtags in your niche and re- replying to all of the comments and answering all of the DMs, you're just going to you're going to burn out so quickly. Yeah. And I think time time management is something that's really important like we all have 24 hours in a day and it's yeah. how how, it's you how you use them. that use that time someone who really leverages their time really well is our friend Amy who's
1: this week's guest this
0: week's guest and yeah she's gone down to four day, for a four day week mm-hmm. she asked for three but they said no and gave yeah. her four <laughs> which kind of makes you think if she'd asked for four then maybe they would have said no and she yeah. would have just she had got to a talk four and half or something. Yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah so Amy is the author of The Little Girl Who Gave Zero Fucks, which is a story about a little girl who decides to live by her own rules and keep her fucks in her basket. And basically not giving shit what people think about her. Um, It's a really, really cool book. We spoke to Amy about why she wrote the book and how it's helped so many of the girls that have read it so far. As well as Zero Fucks, Amy's had multiple poems and short stories published and she's just completed her first novel um i think this was a really really fun conversation yeah Um, super fun yeah love talking to amy she's amazing there's lots of swearing in this episode so if that offends you then fuck off now (laughs) and um
1: really hope that you enjoy it in this episode we talk about being yourself working hard and um the history of swearing
2: but this is my this is my advice to anyone who ever says anything about I I think I've got a book in me is write the fucking book write it because the only thing that you're going to feel is pride
0: I'm really really happy to be joined today by my friend Amy Keane hi Amy hello Amy you have written a book you have
2: (laughs) I had guilty (laughs) you have
0: written an incredible book it's got a swear in it though
2: yeah do you want me to say this swear? Am I allowed say to swear the on Say swear
0: a lot, yeah.
2: Um, it's got the word fucks in it, and that's the only swear word. But the revolutionary thing about it is that we don't use an asterisk. So it's fucks in all its glory yeah. on the front cover. It's called right. The Little Girl Who Gave Zero Fucks.
0: And is it a book for children?
2: It's a good question. We're saying that it's PG 13. I've, I've written it for women everywhere, regardless of age, actually. I've said it's PG 13 because I don't want to get into trouble and I don't want to piss anyone off. But actually, there's so many parents who've bought it for their like four year old kids. They read it to their babies. Like some parents these days just don't care. They give zero
0: fucks. Yeah, they give zero
2: fucks. So it's not for me to say. That's what I'm doing. I'm saying it's not for me to say. It's, you know, parental guidance.
0: You be the judge. Yeah, Yeah. totally up to you. Yeah, and so this book, like, I think is a really, really important book. Have you read it? Of course I have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think, like, obviously, it's it's super empowering. Like, I think girls have a tougher time than boys do. And I, I have a niece and a nephew, and I watch how different... The world treats them mm-hmm. um, one 's a princess and one 's a warrior, yeah um, and obviously, I think we are getting better at kind of empowering young girls um, which is which is great, and I think this book is another kind of brick in that wall of of like Just keep all of your shit that you're lumbering onto girls that are like telling them to be a certain way. Yeah. I think so. At the book launch, you told a really, really inspiring story about kind of your your journey to to writing the book when you just kind of had enough.
2: Yeah. So I actually debated. So we launched the book about a month ago. I think, or I, I don't know what the date is now. Month and a half ago.
0: We're in January now, so.
2: No, in, oh, okay, sure.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just. Oh, you ages go, ago.
2: We launched the book on the 30th of October. <laughs> and before that, I'd done those of PR. And basically when I was doing the PR, and obviously everyone asks me, why did you write it? I started off like well basic and and lied basically and said oh I just wanted to see if I could which wasn't the answer and then the more I answered the question the more I thought that it was really really important to be honest even if that honesty made me made me feel really awkward because it does make me feel awkward when I talk about it but in a nutshell I raised it about two years ago and I was living in Singapore and hated the expat lifestyle and lost all my confidence, um, went to see a confidence coach, had plastic surgery that didn't work, like just felt felt really shit about myself. And I was like, I'm in my 30s. Why is this happening? But the main crux of it, and the reason why I had this like real crisis, existential crisis was because I felt weird. Bec- and, and the thing is, I've always been called weird. And people have always said that I'm odd and crazy and strange and peculiar since I was a kid. And when I was a kid, I used to love it. As you get older, it actually becomes a burden And it's not okay to be weird anymore And I just felt when Particularly when I was in Singapore And expat culture is bizarre And everyone is, to be totally honest Expats are bland as fuck And you can't even get a decent conversation out of them And I felt the weirdest that I'd ever felt And the only way that I could think of To try and convince myself That everything was okay Was to channel it into writing So I, I wrote this book The Little Girl Who Gave Zero Fucks To try and give zero fucks myself mm-hmm.
0: Why do you think that you've always been given these labels of being like weird?
2: I think I honestly I think well you guys must think everyone must think it but I think I I just think a little bit differently to other people and have I don't know I like, mean
0: instantly like as soon as I met you like I I was completely in love with you like so was Yana <laughs> like we all like everyone who meets you thinks you're amazing like from from did you, our, did,
2: on, did you? I did yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, Just to,
0: but, yeah. like, but oh, I mean, I we're, really weird.
1: <laughs> no, but no. I mean, we're,
0: we're creative people. Like, I don't think we're judgmental. I think your kind of day job, I guess, mm. is a lot more. I mean, we run a graffiti company. It's yeah. a ridiculous, a ridiculous job. Like, we paint on walls for a living. That's crazy. So, yeah I don't think we look at, at things. Like, when we go into meetings, obviously, we're in boardrooms of like some of the yeah. biggest brands in the world. Yeah. We're expected to be a little bit kooky because we're the graffiti company yeah, and it's all, yeah. and it, it's kind of off the wall. Do you think it's because like you're trying to be put into this like square box of yeah. this is? work corporate life.
2: Oh, God, absolutely. And there was a... So I will always remember this really atrocious thing that a senior woman said to me about six years ago. So I've always worked in media agencies. And if you don't, for the listener, if you don't know what a media agency is, because actually not everyone does, they buy media space and they put ads in the media space. So I work in innovation in that environment, which isn't actually a particularly creative environment. So a senior lady said to me, basically... I think it was in my appraisal. You have two options moving forward. You can either be yourself, or you can progress in your career. And I was like, (laughs) oh, that's a a toughie. Yeah. And I, but I honestly thought about it for ages, and I was like, shit. Well, how do I not be myself? Yeah. And you know, the the thing I've always been told is that you know people ask me honestly, people ask me if I have bipolar because I can be quite manic. If I have bipolar and bipolar, I don't know what the phrase is. I can be quite manic and I have loads of energy and enthusiasm, but quite consistently I get very emotional and passionate about things. And that was considered in that work environment to be too much. So she said, rein it in, be a bit more professional, whatever professional means, or you're not going to progress in your career.
1: So how did you respond to that? I I cried.
2: (laughs) ofs
1: but like going forward
2: and thought about it and did genuinely think okay I'm going to take this seriously I'm going to start to, I'm going to dress differently I'm going to be less emotional in meetings and then I tried it honestly I tried it for about a month right and I used to I even changed the way that I sat like I'd sat like I changed my posture and I'd clasp my hands on a desk you know on a table yeah. and try to make my voice that more ASMR <laughs> Try to make my voice less emotional and after a month I was like no I fucking can't I can't do this then I got really angry and I was like no fuck it and then actually quit my job and went to Kenya <laughs> so that's
1: a good
0: reaction <laughs> yeah.
2: I was like how's that for professional
0: <laughs> I think your weaknesses yeah. sub- supposed weaknesses yeah. A lot of people nowadays, I think, are finding that their weaknesses are real. What what's perceived as their weaknesses are really their strengths, and yeah. you're unapologetically unapolog- you now um, yeah. within. And what's what's your role in your kind of day job?
2: It's global head of strategic innovation.
0: So that sounds that's quite a like fun title. Yeah. Um, and within that role, you're able to be Amy Keen, mm-hmm. right? You're not.
2: Yes, totally, one hundred percent. Yeah, but it's taken. But I think that's because. I've reached a certain level of seniority where I kind of... No one's telling me not to be myself. Mm. Also, I was employed, I don't know, like I was hired for my personality rather than in spite of it, I think, in this job, which is really, really nice.
0: So it is your superpower.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, not always. (laughs) Not always. But I do think like one one of the main things about the book, one of the main themes of the book is that it's really for men and women but I know more about being a girl it's really 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 hard to be yourself and if you choose that path to totally be yourself you're fucking brave for it I think and that's one of the main themes in the book you'll you'll feel shit people will laugh at you people will call you weird because they don't understand the way you behave but despite all of those things it's still okay and you'll be happier as a result
0: 100% (laughs) obviously so you've been writing for a long time yeah and that's always been um, a big part of of you how did you get to the stage where you were able to like write and work your full-time job as well
2: more I got into a financial position where it was it was okay for me to work four days a week I don't get paid I mean writing is notoriously poorly paid so I don't actually make I'll make money from the book but every time I get a story published or a poem published I don't get paid for that so it was it's a shame actually that I had to wait until I was financially secure but yeah that's that's basically how I've done it
0: and then did you you asked for a four-day week
2: yeah well I actually asked for a three-day week and they just laughed me out of the room, laughed me out of the building. They, they they said, I mean, I don't know anyone that does do a three-day week, but they said, you're actually, you're not going to make any impact on our business if you work three days a week. So we'll compromise with four. And even with four, it can get hard. And people do like, people immediately say to me, oh, have you got kids? And I'm like, no, I just want a life. Yeah. Um, but they still, you know, I don't work Fridays. I still get expected to come in on Fridays that are important. And I'm still expected to answer my emails on a Friday. You know, the workplace isn't as as woke as we'd like to think it is
1: what would you say to someone if they were working five days a week and they didn't have time for what they love to do what would you say to that person to help like push them into doing more
2: the thing is we're so like I had to take a hit like I don't get paid as much well when I I could basically I don't get I could get paid a lot more because I get paid for four days a week rather than five. And I made a a very, very difficult decision that I would rather get paid less but live my life more. Mm. And what I would say is that for anyone in that position, you have to really, really think about whether, I know it's well cheese, but think about whether money does actually make you happy and whether having that extra 10 grand, 20 grand is going to totally change your life or whether, because that's the only decision that you have to make. You just have to take a pay cut. But I don't think people people find it hard to think that way, don't they? You want more and more, especially when you live in London. You want more and more money. I think it's
0: hard to ask as well. I think people mm. feel, you feel almost guilty asking for it, right?
2: Yeah, totally, totally. Especially if you don't have kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's and there have been times where I've felt like I will never use the phrase imposter syndrome because I actually think it's bollocks.
0: Really? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah,
2: I think... Um, imposter syndrome I'm doing little inverted commas for the listener is entirely contextual and you shouldn't medicalize I shouldn't medicalize your insecurity that's actually really dangerous for me to make you think there's something wrong with you because you feel insecure in a work environment that's actually not fair and it's the work environment that needs to be addressed not you but it's
0: so. not imposter syndrome is that not something that you put upon yourself
2: I'd, honestly I don't think it I don't think it is entirely I don't think it is I think it's In any situation There's how you feel And then there's how other people Make you feel And sometimes you don't understand You know where the two Cross over or And I think if you're In a work situation And you have imposter syndrome Like it's okay to fill out Of your depth Like that's totally normal And wonderful But if you feel so insecure That you, you feel like You're going to be found out Which is you know The original description Of imposter syndrome That's fucking bullshit And someone's made you feel that way, yeah. I, I believe. Whether it's society or your boss, I don't know, whoever. How did we go? No, but there was a reason. Why was I? Oh, yeah, but sometimes, that says, <laughs> sometimes I do feel like I'm, weirdly, I feel like I'm letting the company down a little bit by not being 100% dedicated to it, but I'm sure that will pass. <laughs> <laughs> And only sometimes. <laughs>
0: yeah, and because, because you've understood that your happiness is is the most important. And if yeah. you were there five days a week, they wouldn't be getting all of you anyway because no, you're that's true. so on the four <clears throat> days that you are there, you're able to give your full self because you know that you've got that you know that you're happy.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think there's too many people who are working a nine to five seven days a week that aren't happy.
2: Oh, my God, totally. And since I started, so I did, um at the beginning of 2018, I did a poetry course. I did, a, like, a four-month poetry course at the Faber Academy, so, like, the poet publisher. And it totally, fucking totally changed my life because when you have something else... I don't, try to refrain from using the phrase side, side hustle, the phrase side hustle, but it's an easy shortcut, isn't it? To Once you have something, once you have something outside of work, your life changes. And not enough people do, do they?
1: No, I but, don't think so. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle to find that. Yeah. So I suppose, like, how long have you written for and, like, have you done that since you were a kid or kind of...
2: Yeah, I've always written. For ages, it used to be, like, really boring, like, media stuff. Like, I wrote for The Guardian. I had a column, I had a couple of columns in, like, trade magazines. Yeah. And then realised that I was just saying the same thing over and over again. So I started to get more creative with it. But yeah, I've always really, really loved writing. I guess so it's easy yeah I mean I guess some people find it really hard to find what their thing is yeah
1: so if you don't have a specific hobby or something yeah like I remember listening to something once someone's talking about kind of finding your passion and like how that can be so hard and like what you're passionate about now compared to what you're passionate about when you were like 16 are two very different things so it's like how (coughs) do you follow something that might you might not be passionate about in five years yeah so this he kind of talks about finding your purpose like the reason why you want to do things and what beliefs and what how you can want to help the world in some way and kind of like somehow push towards that
2: a psychic said the same thing to me once
1: maybe he knew conversation was gonna happen
2: (laughs) i went to see so do you guys see psychics
1: i've not seen a psychic no
2: i see them a lot and i went to see one in singapore just before i came home i moved home to london and i said at the time for some ridiculous reason he read my tarot cards and i said that i wanted to get into politics and he was like that's the worst idea that's the worst thing that you could possibly do but instead think what why is it that you believe that you should work in politics yeah. what is it about that that kind of gets you excited and i think what it is what it like now thinking about it being a politician would be literally the worst thing ever but it's the idea of i think i like to have a cause I like to have like I like to feel like I'm doing something or fighting something or helping someone in some way. See, but you can do that in other ways, but you don't have to be surrounded by dickheads, politicians. Yeah, that's what the psychic said. <laughs> <laughs> you keep looking at me like I'm like I'm weird. <laughs> no, that's your
0: that's your insecurities that you're putting <laughs> onto yourself. I think you're brilliant. You know that. <laughs> I'm I'm just debating whether we go down the the psychic route
2: oh because
0: i think it's bullshit so yeah it
2: probably I'm, is i'm
1: fully on that side as well only because i've watched
2: no, enough kind of
0: like
1: Darren brown kind of things where he basically just explains exactly how a psychic works yeah and can say things that are so lead you in certain directions yeah again it's kind of like to me i kind of see it a bit like religion where i don't believe in it but i can see how it makes people have a better life yeah. Like it makes people follow a certain path that they might have not done before. It's that kind of like acceptance of that kind of like it's okay to do this.
2: Yeah,
1: that I think a lot of some people need. Yeah, because no, the advice that he gave you about politics that just sounds like really good advice from a life
0: coach, and yeah. he didn't need to look at cards or any magic mumbo jumbo to. Yeah. So sorry if I don't not I don't want to be offensive. No, it doesn't offend do me you know, like, anyway. Okay, great. Yeah, um, but like, yeah, I don't think he needs to go. oh... I see it like he just had some good advice for you yeah, there like yeah. I don't think that's going to make you happy like politics is is really rough
1: and yeah yeah you probably just got your like who you are You're a very bubbly lovely person and I don't see that as a politician
2: and yeah. so he's
1: pretty just kind of thought it's probably not the right kind of right route for you
2: it's well that's the thing isn't it sometimes you just need a stranger to be like you're going to do really well Mm, yeah. And you're like, oh, shit, okay, I'm going to do whatever. I mean, obviously, the other part of it where they pretend they are speaking to dead people is disgusting and exploitative, and that's really, really dark yeah, and yeah. sad. And also, I keep, so I see psychics all the time. I think it is literally just because you talk about yourself for an hour, much yeah, like with therapy, here. I
1: suppose. Yeah, it's it's like it kind is, of totally. Like counseling, yeah.
2: Yeah. And they keep telling me I'm going to get married. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet.
0: Do you feel like you need their their permission? Like it's just a good way of you to go there, air out all of the things that you're thinking about, and just to have someone who has who doesn't know you that there's no kind of weight attached to it where they can just go, yeah, it's fine for you to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah, weird, isn't it?
1: Mm. I think a lot of people have that in life. Yeah. Like just you know exactly what you need to do to succeed. Yeah. yeah. But you just need someone to be like, do it. I yeah. Believe in you. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it's kind of like you don't want to be that person who goes and does it and then fails like you're yeah. so scared of that yeah that if you're like oh well, if someone else has said it, it's okay i've given permission that if i fail it's fine now because someone else has said that yeah
2: because i think very few people have that what's the phrase where you just have not like blind determination or you're just like so what is the phrase kind of
1: like a vision kind of thing yeah
2: where you're just you're so so convinced you're gonna succeed like kanye west-esque yeah. kind of belief
0: Delusion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Basically. Yeah. Very few people have that, do they? That just they're so fucking certain that they're gonna like change the world or whatever. They don't need they don't need any kind of affirmation from anybody yeah. else. It's probably like one percent of the population.
0: Do you struggle with confidence?
2: Yeah, big time, big time.
0: See that? Because you seem like such a confident person. You've got like a book that's selling like hugely well. You've had pub poems published, like at a big, big company with a senior role, like, and you're happy. yeah. So all of those things are like kind of ingredients for a really success, like on the outside, that success. Like, Mm. why are you scared?
2: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I went to see, when I was in Singapore, I went to see, actually, I'll tell you what my confidence coach said. I went to see this confidence coach for like five weeks and got hypnotised and all sorts and he said and this is like this is super cheesy that every every human being has a remote control and on that remote control you have buttons and every button represents a different emotion and like sad happy jealous anxious whatever and what he said to me was that I give other people my remote control And just allow them to press any fucking button they want. And that's so he was like, that's a massive problem because then you will always feel how everyone around you either intends to make you feel or is just accidentally making you feel. And he said, keep your remote control. It's not groundbreaking, but, you know, try and be in charge of your, your emotions. Or just how, you know, how you feel about yourself and I was like shit it's too hard (laughs) Mm. but I get it but I think that's it I just think I'm too like over the years for some reason I've become like more and more self-aware and more apologetic and far too concerned with how other people are behaving in any kind of situation and also like you've described a couple of successes of mine it's so and this is a thing that I do think women suffer from more I've almost gone the opposite way because I don't want to ever feel like I'm bragging or I'm being too much or I'm being arrogant. So I, I just, I've ended up sort of, you know, going the other way.
0: I think this is a real big problem that we have where women aren't allowed to be successful. Like they have to, yeah, they have mm-hmm. to tread this like impossible, like women in business specifically, like yeah. this impossible tightrope of you have to be, you you can't cry because then you're crazy yeah Um. you can't like you can't be overly upset you like it's just mad you can't get angry yeah because you then you're hysterical yeah
2: yeah but you can't show off because that's like the worst you have to be you have to have humility yeah it's really hard because like yeah and I think what we're trained I mean there's a bit of a backlash towards her now Sheryl Sandberg but I think she for a very long time was seen as the perfect woman in business because she was so composed or so composed all her colleagues or people that work at Facebook used to say she's just perfect she's perfect like she never raises her voice she's so articulate she's so calm immaculately dressed um, I remember so- someone um, went to Facebook at Silicon Valley did like the tour it was my old boss and they showed showed him Cheryl Sandberg's diary, and it said all her meetings were 50 minutes long. The final 10 minutes of that hour, it said H&M, and it was hair and makeup. So uh-huh. for 10 minutes in between every meeting, she has hair and makeup. And this is the woman that we're all supposed to be. Calm, measured, unemotional, perfect fucking blow dry. The panel dress, that same panel dress they all wear, all these women yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. And she's obviously from money as well. Like she's obviously, like she comes from a loaded, family. you can just tell. So yeah, that's who we're supposed to be. It's quite interesting that there's there's a backlash against her now.
0: I mean, I, I don't want to promote a backlash against another woman because I yeah. feel like women should be kind of coming together. Yeah. But at the same time, like if you are promoting those ideals of like, I'm going to do hair and makeup for six times a day yeah. in order to always present this the way that a man looks in a business meeting is never considered no, and no. nor should it be for a female. So yeah. I, I, I guess that's kind of, is kind of good that there's a backlash against that kind of behavior.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I've never read Lean In, but I know that loads of people loved it for a really long time. I just remember reading one of the, like the summaries, like there's 10 points, 10 ways you can lean in. One of them is to marry well. Like that's one of the ways you can lean in. And I remember reading that, like the exact summary, thinking, this is fucking bullshit. Like why is no one else saying this is bullshit? You know, like a like a kid in a poltergeist film where they're like, the house is obviously haunted, why is no one else seeing this? Yeah. And everyone's like, oh yeah, no, it's brilliant, lean in, lean in. But now people that there's a bit of a backlash against that whole way of thinking. Like don't lean in. Be yourself. Like you're leaning into a system that was made for men. Don't lean in, just fucking create a new way.
0: So your book. Yes. The goal of the book is to, I guess, for girls to like to fight against that very thing and just to embrace themselves.
2: Absolutely. There's a major theme. I don't know whether you noticed when you read it. There's a major theme in the book that, that jars with people sometimes, which is women versus women. So women actually, the... Ongoing friction between the genders is one thing. But the way that women treat other women, I think, en masse, is also appalling. And we are responsible for each other's securities, for definite. Ranging from, you know, how we judge the way that each other looks yeah so the way you know the way we comment on how we all look the way that we bully each other the way that we believe that only a few, a few people can be successful so we'll trample over each other to get there the nasty things that we say to each other the paranoia that women inspire in other women I went to a convent school an all girls convent school so I've seen this firsthand. like the intricacies of female competitiveness fuck like it's men and men aren't this, men aren't that way with each other no so that's a huge theme in the book and you know every single International Women's Day right this gets my go every single International Women's Day I see all these women going happy International Women's Day what I hope for my daughter is that she'll grow to be a strong powerful woman but they don't say anything about other women and that I think you know we're in this like fourth wave of feminism I think the one thing that's holding it back and the one thing without being like too grandiose that's stopping us from that will stop us from being like wholeheartedly equal is women holding it holding other women back
0: it's now ironic, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah 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 totally but there's no books about it like it's a th- it's like this weird unspoken thing yeah
1: i know a lot of my female friends who've like who work in different businesses what how they kind of talk about some of their colleagues it does seem like school yeah it's very kind of like you've got this cliquey kind of bitchy girls who kind yeah. of like are doing well and they yeah. kind of like won't let anyone into this group and yeah guys kind of a bit more I suppose I don't know if it's like more like team sporty it's kind of yeah. like they get on as like a bit more of like laddie makes kind of thing.
2: yeah totally
1: and it's yeah it's it's exactly how it was at school but you, you'd assume people would grow out of that yeah but it just continues into the workplace and I think yeah. yeah it's something that people don't really talk about
2: there's a lot more like I see it at work far more immediate camaraderie between men regardless of who they are and so much less so with women like even when being totally honest when you first meet when I meet a new woman, particularly at work, there's all these things that you think in your head like, how is, she, how is she carrying herself? What's she wearing? Is she confident? If she's not confident, can I beat her down a bit so that I'm the powerful one in this dynamic? You know, like, you do think those things. And, but very rarely people people don't admit it. Women don't admit it.
1: And we're talking to one of our um, female staff the other week, and she was saying, we'd, I can't remember how we got into it. We were talking about Love Island, and she's saying, Love Island was so great when it was on. Because it was like when you're at a party, <clears throat> it's like how guys, you get any guys together, they could talk about football and how they travelled there. <laughs> that literally, how you, every guy yeah. conversation ever starts. But with girls, it's kind of, there's always like, how do we find that common ground? Yeah. she's saying when Love Island was on, it was like, instantly, have you talked to watch Love Island? And yeah. everyone had, so it kind of made that unifying.
2: Oh, God, that's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Love
1: Island bringing together women of the world.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's that like
1: having. Like that kind of unifying thing that everyone has yeah, in common that you yeah. can just suddenly start talking about.
2: But then the problem with the problem with that is that I would imagine for the most part the conversations about Love Island are really bitchy conversations about how old Laura is and what a slag Megan is. Like it's we're brought together by vitriol. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the theme of the book. <laughs>
0: um, so why was it important for you to write that?
2: Because I didn't feel like anyone had written something similar. I did genuinely believe that I had something very, very specific to say and no one else had said it. And this is a little bit embarrassing, but I wrote it and the way that it's normally supposed to work when you write a book is you write a book and then you send it to literary agents and then a literary agent buys into you and then they sell it to publishers. So when I wrote it and I got it illustrated, I sent it to all these different literary agents, all women in London, and my covering note, and it's going to make me sound like a bell end, was I've written a book called The Little Girl Who Gave Zero Fucks and I think it's going to change the world. And none of them agreed. (laughs) But I just thought, you know, I just thought like the perspective... Again, I don't want to be too... I don't want to be becadded about it, but the perspective that I've provided based on the feedback that I've got is new. And it does make people think a little bit differently. And, like, even yesterday, like, I'm getting messages from all these girls on Instagram going, oh, my God, I cried when I read your book... Every girl needs to read it. This is verbatim, I'm not paraphrasing. Every girl needs to read it. I think it's so important what you said. And obviously there's loads of important things to say. But I just felt like it was yeah. I'm I'm really, really I'm really glad that I've said it. And you Even did, if it yeah.
0: And you did find a publisher in the end who agreed with that you would change the world.
2: Yeah. I mean, or, or make them money. <laughs> yeah, so Unbound is a really, really interesting publisher because they they are a publisher, but they um, work primarily with niche or controversial titles or authors. They work with a lot of working-class authors, which I think is lovely. And what they do is they work with you to crowdfund the initial kind of upfront costs of making a book, like the production and the editing and stuff and you just have to prove that it will sell if you can prove that it will sell which i did then they publish it and everything works as normal
0: how did you prove it would sell Mm -hmm.
2: because i sold a shitload so you get a a bit like kickstarter you get a target mine was quite high because i only wanted a hardback i didn't Mm -hmm. want a paperback so i think i can say i had to raise 16 grand in x amount of time i did it in 20 days and once you've proved that, then what was, you're your,
1: kind of... what was your process to to raise that money?
2: I did I mean it did help that I work in advertising. Mm-hmm. So I created a Facebook page, I like made loads of like topical content, started doing Facebook advertising, did loads of PR, sent the book to influencers, got it reviewed. Like I did everything that you do. I did it was a marketing campaign. Yeah. And pulled in loads of favors. Luckily, over the last 15 years, I've been working in advertising. I've done a lot of people a lot of favors. So emotionally blackmailed a lot of people into buying here. Yeah. Eh, fuck it. Like I yeah. had to, <laughs> had to get it returned one day. So yeah. And also, like I was so for my own kind of peace of mind, I wanted to prove that I could do it really quickly. And at the time, the fastest they'd done it, the fastest funding period was seven days. And it was it, but it's a dude that was a celebrity. He's like a Twitter celebrity. He's got like five hundred thousand followers. I don't have that, so I was like, okay, I need to get, I need to do it in two weeks, three weeks, just for my own peace of mind. So I didn't sleep, like I was relentless, but it worked. And it was like it was a really, I don't know if you've ever crowdfunded anything, fucking stre- like really stressful. It is, and also you feel like you're begging. It's just like it's a really weird mix of emotions. Never do it again. Really, yeah, never, unless it was for something totally different, like some kind of tech project, but now, I,
1: I suppose if you know what you're i suppose. You knew your product was really good, yeah. So it's kind of like you don't mind pushing something if you actually fully believe in it.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and also just to clarify, because Unbound are amazing, I would recommend. You know, if anyone feels that they've got a book in them, I would rec- absolutely recommend working with them and doing it once. It's it's just it will it's exhausting emotionally, but I would thoroughly recommend working with them. You guys would be. You guys should do it.
0: They do say everyone's got a book in them, don't they?
2: Yeah, but you could do. They do so many amazing, like, beautiful, like, coffee table books. I'm surprised you guys haven't done something like that yet.
0: Maybe one day. Yeah, I do I do want to write a book. I think that I have got a book in me. I think the working title that I've been thinking of is um, How to Make Money from Art. Ooh. Because um, I just think that people are – there's this – trope of a, of a starving artist. yeah. And I think in the 1980s, like if you wanted to portray a loser in a film, he'd be an artist. That's like, <laughs> yeah. that's the way of, of and I, I'm i a member of a couple of like artist groups on Facebook. And just, to, just for my own perversion, just to watch what people are writing and what people are saying, and what they're struggling yeah. with. And it just seems that everyone has a problem with being a successful artist they hold themselves back because yeah. they don't feel like they're able to make money from art and that oh. that I think is holding them back so mm. seeing as we have managed to make money from art yeah. I think that we have quite a lot on that topic that we yeah. can we could sort of share so
2: that's fresh that's nice also you're gonna have a smashing 2019
0: thanks I oh, hope so
2: just FYI <laughs>
0: That's nice to say.
2: <laughs> so how is it was it is it gonna be like is it gonna be like a self-help book or is it gonna be like a a narrated I like this the, is how it works.
0: Yeah, I like the the kind of model of this is what I did, this is what I learned. Yeah. Um, so I think that's I don't know. I feel I feel with your first book. I feel like your second book's the hardest because your first book is everything that you are, especially if it's nonfiction, like it's, it's everything that you are in that one book. And then when it comes to book number two, you're like, well, I've already said everything that I know in the first book, like, where do I go next? Yeah. But, but Hey, I think if it's, if it's, um, valuable content and we are learning all the time as, as we go along. And I think, I don't know, I don't know. You're interviewing me now. It's so awkward.
2: Do it. Do it. But this is my, this is my advice to anyone who ever says anything about, I, I think I've got a book in me is write the fucking book, write it. Yeah. Because the only thing that you're going to feel is pride. Yeah. Like that's it. Even finishing a book is the Cause I've just finished this, the the novel that I've written, which is like 360,000 words finishing a book is like you're just like oh my god i never realized i had that discipline that i had that creativity you know so always write it
0: did you finish it in kenya
2: yes i did yeah. yes okay. thanks it's almost a shame like i miss it now you know when you're like totally immersed in a project you must get this like when you're so immersed in a creative project and you finish it you're like oh and then the next day you're like oh i miss it now Slow like
0: when you finish reading a book isn't it It's oh, the same yeah. as the same as writing it
2: yeah what was the last book you read
0: Probably Emma Gannon's book, I think, because I reread it as, as research for, for her on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm reading books all the time. I have an Audible account that um, I think we spent £400 on books last year on Audible. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, it's, uh, I, I love reading books. I think it's the <clears throat> best way to learn. Yeah. But yeah, some I think the most important book I've ever read is Mindset by Carol Dweck. All right. And that's just about how we're conditioned from a young age, like about how even if you're really, really trying to help your kid and you say you're really good at maths or you're really good at art, how that actually is really, really not good for them, um, mm-hmm. you should be focusing on you're good at learning and you worked really hard to do that, not that is really good. And there's just these little things that we say to kids that start implanting stuff in our mind that, and it's called having a fixed mindset. Um, And it talks about how dangerous a fixed mindset is. So a fixed mindset will be someone who is sitting in a job and they're like, well, I can't leave this job because this is, uh, this I need the money and this is the only job that I'd ever get and I'm not clever enough to go and do this this or this whereas someone with a growth mindset would be like I'm here now and I'm gaining experience which is going to be really useful and in my spare time I'm going to be learning coding for my next job that I want to do this and then I'm going to go and learn because all skills are learnable yeah and I really don't believe in this whole um talent or or gifted or whatever, it's like, it's just work and practice. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've spoken at at length about that before. Like, Mm -hmm. I think people just need to put the hard work in and they're scared to do that. And a lot of that comes from childhood and, and mindset, the book I, I was having a conversation with someone who'd read it the other day and it, it literally changed his life and um, prompted him to leave his current job. He's now setting up a, a podcast production company that's going to be really successful I think and because he's now got a growth mindset. It's not something that like you can just develop it you can just make the decision to yeah. live in a growth mindset way and me and Jana as well, well we'll do it at home like she'll say something or I'll say something and the other person will go that's a fixed mindset and we'll get each other out of it because oh wow yeah just have like just allowing yourself to know that there's possibilities like if I ever say that I'm bad at something I can get good at it yeah and just believing that you can get good at anything and I I think that's 100% possible there's a lot of resistance to it online though People people get so people get so angry as to the like I've read long, long, long arguments about people um, saying, well, no, but it's just natural talent. They were born that way. I could never do that because it lets them off the hook. Mm -hmm. If you believe that someone was born with just this talent that just came from the gods um, and they were magically an amazing painter. And when you look into the history of anyone who's great at anything, Mm -hmm. they put the work in. Like people always bring up Michael Jordan. And obviously he has physical attributes that are natural that – obviously he's massively tall he's hugely athletic yeah but he was cut from his high school basketball team like he was not he didn't show from from birth like he didn't come out Mm. dribbling a basketball like (laughs) he had the the (laughs) dedication and yeah just just dribbling (laughs) and uh he like he put the work in yeah that's that's all it is that's the only variable
2: people don't realize also how hard to people don't realize how hard you have to work to do stuff Mm. i think isn't that funny like the concept of hard working something really interesting about my niece right she's nine and obsessed with those youtubers and and zoella etc and they and she's the
0: main character in your book
2: oh yeah and it's really weird that she she sees these amazing lives that these youtubers have and just immediately assume she can click her fingers and have it because they're presenting this perfect they don't show how hard they've worked and how you know stayed up till 2am editing stuff they don't talk about that side and i think there's something about particularly younguns these days believe that if you want to do something i mean it's good in a way if you want to do something you can but they don't realize that there's a shit ton of hard work that also goes into it
0: yeah, I think when you look at, at the apps on our phones, they're designed to give us that, that dopamine hit. Yeah. And they're really fun. So it's fun to go on Instagram and scroll through these beautifully curated yeah. um, images that everyone's putting up. But no one realizes that then when they want to get successful on Instagram, it becomes hard work. Yeah, yeah. And logging onto the app is like, oh, shit, right, okay. Now, for the next hour, I'm going to be hitting mm. certain hashtags and leaving comments on everyone's but. I'm going to be following people. Yeah. I'm going to be answering all the, all the um, comments on my pictures and it becomes hard work. Yeah. And then that's fine for like a month. But when you realize like, I, I was having a conversation with someone recently who was, who was saying it was kind of cutting off someone who's big on, on Instagram. And it's like, you don't see the work that went yeah. goes in. Like they go, Oh, they're getting all of these opportunities because they've got a big audience. They're getting the opportunities because they built the big audience. Yeah. And so they deserve the opportunities because yeah. building that audience is hard. Yeah.
2: Man. Well, this is the problem again with making things look easy. If you make things look easy, then everyone thinks they can do what you do. But actually you're just really, you've, you know, you've been successful and are good at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, are you are you kind of focusing now on like building your personal brand in inverted commas?
2: Yeah. So, but I want to, but I'm doing it in a slightly different way because I need to work out I need to work. I think I know what my point of view is. I know that sounds really weird, but I just don't want to, I don't want to be just another shouty voice shouting things and trying to be this fucking female messiah that so many women want to be. So what I'm doing, I'm actually working in loads of, working with schools. For a little bit, so I'll do it like for the next six months. I started last week. I'm going to various different schools to do workshops on like self esteem and anxiety, and that's a good thing to do. I get to promote my book, but I say yucks instead of fucks because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But I feel like doing that, I'll just learn a lot. Like I, I, I want to learn about people and how people feel, and especially like teenage girls. I want to understand what the issues are before I start spouting my mouth off. So it's, I don't, I, yeah, I, I'm being quite strategic about how I do 2019, I think. Also, I think the book is going to be a bit of a slow burner. We ran out of stock sold out after four days and I was like fuck Christmas Ah." (laughs) we finally got stock back in now but I was but I was just so convinced that I was it was going to be like a one-hit wonder and we'd have this Christmas and then it'd kind of die a death but I think actually it might be a slow burner and over time it might kind of gain some some really nice momentum So, yeah, I also like I thought it was going to I've been really surprised at the response that the little girl who gave zero fucks has had. And I'm surprised at how how much people like it. Like I genuinely thought it was a novelty product that would go in a stock. There was a stocking filler. But actually, it's having more of an impact um, on people than I anticipated. So
0: I've certainly noticed everyone who reads it then goes, oh, shit, I need to buy a copy for so and so. Oh,
2: my God. And when I do sign-ins, so I started doing like book signings and stuff, every time, and I always write a different message for everybody, every time they always want to tell me who they're buying it for and why. And I think that's, um, I I think maybe that's quite unique. There's always a story. Either my mum, like my mum, she needs to build her confidence or my cousin is totally fucking, is totally this character. There's always a story, which is really, really nice, I think.
0: That's lovely. What brought about the decision to use the swear
2: to get attention (laughs) to to be honest i knew that it would get attention the phrase zero fucks when i first wrote it was quite a new phrase actually and i see like there were buzzfeed articles like these people give zero fucks so i really really liked it as a phrase and then i started to like i swear a lot and it's people are always picking up on it and like I'll get told off in pubs and stuff like if I say shit or fuck when I'm talking to my friends like some old dude will be like oh, stop it stop swearing not
0: what a lady should sound like yeah, yeah it
2: pisses me off and actually what I did when I was still debating it I did loads of research into women and why it's considered to be so bad that when women swear and it goes back to like middle age time and and women that Swore were considered to be uneducated. They were considered to be slutty, dirty, like all of these things. And actually, if you're a woman that swore, you were more likely to be accused of being a witch. And I don't know if you've ever been to the torture museum in London Bridge. Clink? Clink? The prison museum. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've been there. Um, they have a contraption called the Scold's Bridle there, so they've got all these like medieval torture contraptions there, and loads of like screams. You know, like you walk around. They have a thing called the Skull's Bridle, which was in the in the Middle Ages, like 1600s. It was a headset or mask. That they, like a cage, that they put on women's heads, and there was a little pin, and it put, they pulled their tongue out. And if these women with the cage on their heads ever moved their tongue, like tried to speak, it would it would cut their tongue. It would rip their tongue. And that punishment was for women who swore too much, gossiped too much, were too loud. Anyway, so I read all this because it's just fascinating, obviously, like really dark. And I was like, no, fuck it. Like, it's actually really interesting, like how we consider words to be good and words to be bad. In this context, the word fucks isn't sexual Also, the word fuck was created by 16th century monks. So when you start to think about language and it was, it was used to describe the unsavory behaviors of other monks. So wow. if a monk was fuck, if a monk was fucking, he was being a bit dodgy. He was drinking too much. Like he was, you know, he was Incredible. being very un, monk like. Interesting. So once I started to read about all that, I was uh, read about all that stuff. I was like, Oh my God, it's so, we should think more about the words that we use and mm. the assumptions that we make about what's good or bad. So yeah, after that, I was like, yeah, fuck it. At least I can justify it, yeah. you know.
0: I was listening to something the other day that apparently swear words activate a totally different part of your brain to, to any other part, and Ooh. if if someone's bilingual, yeah. um, it only it only activates those parts if it's your first language. So if you if you're bilingual and then you swear in your second
1: language, it doesn't activate the same parts of your brain.
2: That is literally the funniest fact I've heard.
1: That's really interesting because, like, quite often, say if you're in Europe, you'll quite often see t-shirts that say like. Swear words blatantly across them, you're like, How the hell are these kids walking around having these? But obviously, it doesn't really have that same kind of connection, and it kind of makes sense.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, because i if I say mild I mean, yeah, I don't feel good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Or like, this means I'm going kind to of release. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's weird because at the end of the day, they're just words. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, certainly with, with this podcast, like, cause I swear a lot Yeah. and I was having a conversation with my mum recently and um, she was like, cause you don't swear, do you? And I was like, mum, I swear all the time. And I, cause I swear in front of my mum all the time. Yeah. She just hasn't picked up on it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, mum, I swear all the time. And she, and she was like, oh, she was really disappointed. I think she was like, oh, do you really? And I said, yeah. And I said, <clears throat> "It and it depends on the context of where I'm at, but yeah. it's like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs)
2: Because I never think you, I'd never, I don't think of you as sweary, but maybe I just don't notice. I don't.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sweary because I don't do it for attention. To shock. Yeah, Yeah. 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 But like, I feel like there's certain points where just to emphasize a point or. Yeah. get something across that it's like like we've had a perfectly normal conversation here where yeah. swear words have been said yeah. but it's not been offensive to anyone no. I mean if anyone was offended by that but it's like um, Gary V talks about when he puts his content on LinkedIn he won't use any swear or they'll be beeped out because he repurposes content and he'll mm. use it across multiple platforms but when it goes on LinkedIn he beeps the swear words because LinkedIn is seen as because there's an interesting way that people describe social networks as different rooms, and you have to use the correct oh. approach in each room that mm-hmm. you go into. Yeah. Um, because people who are repurposing repurs- Instagram content and then just taking it straight over and putting it onto yeah. onto Twitter, it doesn't it doesn't flow because it's not for that platform. And so so yeah. So when he reuses content, he mm. he doesn't swear in LinkedIn because that's a place Isn't for that professionals.
2: LinkedIn is not a room that I like to spend much time in.
0: <laughs> it's a room I'm going to spend more time in, I think. Um, in terms of like building our business, like yeah, the our so we have a massive audience on Instagram, but really our clients are five or six different agencies yeah. and clients within within London, really. So it's like, where do those people hang out? They do hang out on Instagram and they probably follow us on there. But like to actually really get to them and show that in this kind of crowded digital age, our product actually does stand out because yeah. people take photos of, of hand-painted advertising. Yeah. They don't take photos of a billboard. So it's like we have a product that works. So it's like getting that across. I think LinkedIn is the platform for us to get across yeah that to the people who need to know about that. Yeah. Because it's all about finding out where your where your audience are, isn't it? Yeah. Like for you, selling the book, Twitter I would imagine, has probably been yeah, super good. Instagram. Has. Whereas <clears throat> I don't know, it might be interesting to kind of road test it on LinkedIn and just see how it does.
2: A lot of people know about it because of LinkedIn, but it So yeah. you have you
0: have posted about it? Oh
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the the good thing about the um the unbound website it has a cms that shows you where sales have been driven from That's cool. facebook actually drove the most sales yeah. but they changed their rules i used to be able to advertise even with the word fuck now i can't and it's an absolute nightmare but linkedin i posted it a few times and it didn't drive any sales but it made lots of people aware of it so i guess it's different objectives i suppose Yeah. yeah facebook is still like super effective
0: yeah because there's a lot of people there yeah Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you? What does your 2019 look like?
2: I have already made a decision that I'm gonna work my arse off in 2019. I need to try and sell this novel called A Date Night in Nairobi to a literary agent because I finished it now. I am gonna And so this is
0: a very different book. This is a this is a lot more kind of um your story, right? Yeah
2: and it's quite heavy but it's also quite timely because it's about voluntourism and there's an increasing spotlight on the volunteering industry and how exploitative and unethical and stuff it is money grabbing it is so the book's about that
0: so this is um people want to be a volunteer because they want to make they want to make a difference somewhere and they end up paying like huge sums of money to companies who are not really putting that back into the environments right
2: i mean that's exactly it that's exactly it i don't even need to elaborate that's the situation
0: and so you were you you volunteered
2: i did about five years ago or actually exactly five years ago this was when i quit my job and went to kenya uh thought i was it's so embarrassing now but you and i have spoken about this Thought I was changing the world, and I went to an orphanage to teach in Kenya, and just realised that it was, if you care that much, give them the money. You know, you don't need to take selfies with black babies and put them on Facebook. That's that's all about you. That's incredibly narcissistic. And so the, all these industries are just fueling that. All these white westerners thinking they're helping. There's there's a myth, right, which is ridiculous. And I've heard a few times from like middle class friends of mine that, you know, when you're, if you're driving past a school in like Zambia or Nigeria or Kenya and you, you, you give a child a pencil, you know, th- these children will come running out from schools. If you give a child a pencil, you're, you're giving them an education. And it's like, of course you're fucking not. Like as if that's how any education system works. But this is what we believe. We believe that we're like, you go that you go to an orphanage for a month and you're you're changing lives. You're not. You're if anything, you make them a little bit worse.
0: It's, ama- it's amazing how many industries are driven by our desire for taking photos and putting them on Facebook. Yeah. It's like I was reading something recently that was talking about um, when you're in a club and you order champagne, the fact that it comes out with the sparklers. So it's like that you're not buying the drink.
2: Yeah. You're buying the attention
0: Experience, that the yeah. that the sparklers show every single person in the club yeah. that you're important. And then when you post it on Facebook, it's like that's, they're, they're creating the photo for yeah.
2: you. Oh, God. Yeah, and so-
0: that's it's the same with the with the little
1: underprivileged babies. Yeah. You yeah. so see guys around here who will obviously go lease a Range Rover for a day, drive around, and then get loads of photos of it just so they can post it online. No! so sad
2: oh mate also um i'm gonna write zero fucks the musical oh wow yeah and i met funny enough at a book signing i met someone that works in the theater that is gonna help me so i think like incredible. I'm incredible sure, i think it will happen you know like i'm actually pretty sure it will
0: so back back to kenya i like oh yeah yeah um,
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: so your book is 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 fiction but
2: loosely based loosely
0: on, based on your experiences over yeah
2: because lots of bad things happened, so enough happened for me to actually turn it into like a, a story. Also, when I was there, so I I stayed where well, I was supposed to stay for a little while, and then moved to Nairobi for a bit. And while I was there, that the terrorist shooting happened, like in a, there were loads of Westerners held hostage. It was just such a weird, dramatic time that there's enough to write about. So that's finished. So I need to I need to get that out there.
0: And obviously, like a vastly bigger book than zero Fox.
2: vastly bigger yeah still lots of swearing
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> some of it sexual
0: <laughs> amazing so we'll be looking forward to that and you're working on an app as well
2: oh god yeah crikey yeah it's not my idea so I can't take credit for it but I am supporting the building of an app called actually I won't give too much information but it's it's because it's in progress at the moment but it's all about food wastage it's designed to kind of help food banks more with wastage from like cafes and restaurants and stuff obviously food banks being more popular than they ever have been probably in the history of the United Mm. Kingdom so that's really exciting as well shit I forgot about that (laughs)
0: so if you could think of one word that is going to describe your this year 2019 what would that word be
2: oh relentless wicked (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm really
0: excited to see what you do this year i think it's gonna be amazing thank you very much for coming on
2: you guys as well
0: well we'll be working together on a few projects so it's gonna be amazing yeah thank you so much for coming in where can people find you online
2: www.girlwhogavezero.com or at Kino81 on Twitter
0: Wicked Thanks Amy Thank you so much Thanks for listening We're trying to help a lot of people with this show so we need
1: your help to grow the community and spread our message If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today or they just need a little nudge in the right direction pass this podcast on to them If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with
0: anything, we'll really love you forever. If you can leave us an iTunes review, it makes a huge difference. See ya.